Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another week on the Tomorrow's Transactions webinar series. And this week, it won't go unnoticed, but things are a little different. So firstly, this week is one of our fireside chats, and I'm thrilled to welcome one of our favourites from the payments world, Amy Parsons from Discover Financial Services, who's going to be chatting to Dave about her career and some of her priorities, and hopefully taking a look at the future of retail payments. I'm sure you can imagine being an executive of a leading payment platform uh, organisation like Discover is pretty demanding and therefore a schedule to match. And that's why we aren't live this week, um, but we are very, very happy to bring you this pre-recorded session. For our usual viewers, you will know that we run a live Q&A and obviously we won't be doing that. But if you do have any specific questions, either for Dave or for Amy, then please drop us a line and we will aim to get those covered off and we can reply um, after the airing of this event. Um, I'm going to hand straight over to you, Dave, and you can get the conversation going with Amy. Um, welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks very much, Claire. And thank you very much for joining us today, Amy. I know you're busy and I, I really appreciate your time. No, oh, it's great to be here. Uh, it's actually really good to see you. Again, we're on video, but uh, uh, better this than nothing. It, it, it literally seems like another age where you would, I just bump into you at the coffee line at Money 2020. It's like, these are times that our children will never believe, you know. But, no, well, uh, we are. Uh, we, we were having some conversations at uh, dinner not too long ago, and uh, part of it was thinking through. We are living through a very unique time yeah. in the world, and there will be a point where we will be looking back and saying, "Can you remember when?" <laughs> so yes, and we are living it. So well, I I. I literally, I cannot wait to get out and actually, I mean, I'm, I'm all very happy with virtual blah, 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 but I can't wait to get out and meet some people again. But anyway, thank you. Um, and I want, obviously, I, I kind of want to talk to you about the, 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 the key issues in the, in the sector at the moment. But, but before, before we get to that, I just wanted to give people a sense of, of kind of your trajectory, like how you got to this this point and I, I kind of want to do it in a sensitive way without revealing quite how long we've known each other so I need to try and think of a clever way to introduce it so um so Amy uh, you must have had a pretty interesting journey to take you to where you are in Discover um how, how did you get into the payments business uh probably like a lot of people have gotten into the payments business I can't say that I sat down when I was in college and said I think I'm going to go work in the payments industry. Um, I actually started as a summer intern and I actually started at Discover. Um, so took a summer job, uh, was out putting up stickers on windows and programming point of sale terminals. So how's that? That's a kickstart on your career. That's how <laughs> it should be. Yep. Learned from the very basics, but I will tell you what I wouldn't give a single one of those days back. Um, as you know, I think any of us that have kind of traversed from start to, you know, where we're at today, every piece that you learn along the way becomes valuable information. And uh, as this industry likes to do, we love to hold on to our history. So a lot of that stuff we were doing then still applies today. Uh, we've added a bunch of stuff to it, and we continue to. But ultimately, it's uh, been a great foundation. No, but it, but it but it is in you know actually starting out, you know, knocking on merchants' doors. I mean, that, that's, 
you know, that's experience that is getting rarer in some ways in, in, in some of these organizations. Well, especially during pandemic times. <laughs> I think we have not too many door knocking going on right now. <laughs> it's very true. But, uh, but, but clearly there was something you liked about the payments business. And I've always seen you, uh, obviously from the outside, I've always seen you as somebody who thinks a little more strategically about kind of the big picture around payments. So, so what, what, what was it that kind of attracted you in? I mean, you started as an intern, but why did you stay? Well, there's probably two things. I was working at Discover. It was very much a new kind of startup opportunity in the industry. Um, even though cards was around, they were around, um, we did come in with a very new proposition because um, we had a no annual fee cashback card with 24-7 customer service, which I know today seems very like, oh yeah, we got it. Uh, but at the time it was, <laughs> it was actually a revolutionary structure in the industry. And so with that, I started with the organization earlier days and uh, we've been very successful and there's been a lot of opportunity to grow um, and to really help set the course of the organization. So I think it's more probably opportunity uh, coupled with my interest, right, to just pursue new things. Uh, the two have just, you know, kind of combined forces together in a way that's worked. And, it, and it's not a cliche to see, uh, to say that you've seen it through a pretty incredible inflection. I mean, I mean, we went in, in, a, in, a, <laughs> in a time span that both of us can remember, you know, we went from, you know, mag stripes to chips to chip and pin to online, to card not present, to Apple Pay, to one-click payments, to tokenization, to wearables. And now we're just in this incredibly different payments world. And I don't think people would have experienced that, you know, without, without getting caught up a little bit in the excitement of it. No, no, for sure. I mean, it's definitely been a lot of change. And I, you know, probably maybe in the last 10 to 15 years, it's probably even accelerated more. I feel like every year it gets a little faster. Um, and then of course, you know, 2020 accelerated our industry in a way I don't think any of us could have really predicted or imagined. Um, and so we're gonna see, I, I think a lot of really interesting new things start to show up, um, even just looking forward, you know, into the next few years. <clears throat> I mean, 2020 there's no doubt that, that the virus is is well I wouldn't even say the elephant in the room because it, it, it's not that at all I mean it's 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 become the defining kind of strategic issue not and and I think you know certainly people at the strategic level would realize it's not just a response to this particular pandemic but the new mode that it puts us into because if we're going to live in this kind of globalized interconnected world those pandemics are going to come back, right? And I mean, I remember, I remember, actually, I remember being out with, with some of your guys, actually, but I mean, I remember being out in the Far East, out in Singapore, when SARS was around, and thinking it was odd that the people in the hotel were wiping the lift buttons and, and mm -hmm. all this kind of thing. But, but you know, what? <laughs> it's like they learned from that stuff. So it Absolutely. isn't so much. We, we all are, right? I mean, I think all of us, the, the world in general, but people, we're living, we're starting to live in a new way, uh, right? Well, We've changed, you know, how we move around and that's, some of that's going to continue. Uh, so we'll, we'll be thinking about that differently. 
Uh, obviously, digital has taken a hold in a way uh, because we've had to. A lot of people actually had to figure out um, how to do shopping, grocery shopping online. They didn't well, really this, have a choice. Yeah, so, so this this comes to the this comes to the first question I wanted to ask you, Naomi. So, so we take on board. There's been a lot of change in payments over over the last few years, and you and I have been very fortunate to see some of that change and 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 enjoy it. You know, in many ways. Then along comes the virus, and some people kind of have a knee jerk reaction to it, but a thoughtful reaction says, basically, this is the new world. This stuff's going to happen from time to time, and we have to learn how to deal with it. And so some people say, well, actually, the virus didn't really change a lot of things in our industry. What it did was accelerate a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I, I just wonder, I mean, do you, do you think that's broadly true? And if it is for, for you and for your organization, what, what was it that got accelerated? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And if you just, you know, listen and read a lot of information, um, it, that is the topic, right? It accelerated these things. Um, when you look at kind of disruption and how it happens, there's two other components that will show up. They haven't yet. Um, some people are starting to think about, well, how do I kind of create some revolution to my business, right? So I've got to actually make a fairly decent step change. Um, accelerating was taking the stuff that we knew or at least were piloting and, you know, really putting it into to real live motion trying to do something a little bit more revolutionary. Um, and then, you know, there's a component of disruption that's gonna show up. I'm, I'm convinced we have people uh, who are, you know, sitting in basements and garages and in their backyards, just thinking about things that I know personally, I, I can't even imagine right now. Um, and we will see some of that stuff come to fruition uh, as time continues to progress forward. But um, kind of back to what you were talking about, I do think our, our industry as a whole just went into full acceleration mode on digital. So a lot well, of the stuff that we were doing and testing is what is now become the norm. No, I, th I think a lot of those things, uh, you know, contactless and all that kind of stuff, you know, yes, I mean, we're already working on that kind of thing. But if, if we look a bit further forward, the kind of changes that we're gonna see, which is essentially, you know, I mean, people are talking about this kind of omni-channel, you know, collapse where everything goes to kind of online and mobile, even, even when you're in the store. You know, people are talking about bringing in new kinds of value. There's a lot of talk going, I mean, forget cryptocurrency and all that kind of stuff. There's people talking about digital currencies, other things right now. So, so on the one hand, there was an acceleration, right? Uh, because of the virus. But on the other hand, there are some big changes coming, which are nothing to do with the virus, right? And, and, and we have to have strategies for both of those things, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll use contactless as, a, as an easy example because it's okay. a word we've thrown around the industry for I don't even know how long. Um, and then, you know, out of the blue, we're starting to see contactless show up on commercials. Now, it's being used in a different way than we think about it, right? They're really talking about you never have to touch anything. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go into the store. I can deliver stuff to your house. You can come pick it up. I'll put it in the trunk of your car. So, you know, there's a, I, I will say, I was somewhat joking, but was really meaning, right? Last March, we had a lot of people who barely knew what Amazon was that all of a sudden, said, oh, there's this thing called Instacart out there and I can order my groceries and they just get delivered to my doorstep. And they started doing that. Um, and then with that, you know, there is a good share of them. They'll never go back to the grocery store ever because 
they just realized how simple this is to do. And why would you ever go back to something more complex or more difficult? Um, and we've got um, some stats, it's something like 30% of consumers actually started using contactless payments. 70% uh, of them are saying that they, they will continue. So it, this is- Contactless has gone pretty well for you, right? Oh, very. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, year over year um, from uh, 19 to 20th, you know, I think the industry saw 220% increase um, in volume. So yeah, tremendously well. And it, it again, it has a lot to do with uh, consumer behavior patterns shifting um, and order ahead coming in, digital ordering coming in, uh, those type, types of things. Uh, you have to have some of that contactless structure in place in order to be able to facilitate those payment movements. So what is the, what is the, so, so sorry, let me just ask that question again. So for someone like Discover, I, I can see these changes in behavior around cards and things like that, but, but Discover is, is a lot of different things, right? And di different parts of the business are gonna be affected in different ways. So how are you thinking strategically about the relationship between those? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you look at the enterprise as a whole, Discover Financial Services has three main components to our business. Our card business, which is really the flagship, right, of the organization, um, what really started the organization as, as well. We've got a bank, right, that does loans behind us. Uh, and we also do have the payments business, which is the piece of business that I tend to talk most about just because that's the area that I operate in. Um, and it's also to the area that we see uh, really having to take on some of that forward motion around technology right, and right. These things, right? Because really ultimately that foundation has to exist to connect both sides of the consumers and the merchants in our industry together with all the different players in between. We've got to be able to, to create that, that connection structure. So the payments business ultimately is what um, you'll hear me speak the most about. That's probably when I talk about things like the move to digital, contactless, things that we're doing with debit, right? Um, the expansion of net to nets, we've got over 20 uh, net to net partner, our uh, network to network alliances. Let me actually, instead of giving the acronym, spell it out. <laughs> so our network alliance arrangements. Um, and so we continue to actually see expansion on those fronts. Um, from a, a card business, we stay very focused on value creation. It was at the heart of how we started, uh, really making sure we're taking care of consumers. Um, a lot of consumers need, um, you know, I'll say additional assistance during this time and they also need simplicity. Um, so just really making sure that we're listening to our customers and responding appropriately, but keeping uh, value very much at the core of our thinking, making sure that we're assisting them where they need to be assisted. And that goes to merchants too. Um, you know, it was probably one of the first things I, I will say is probably the second thing that we did. Obviously, first was to make sure employees uh, were safe and secure and, and being able to work from where they wanted to work from. Um, second was, was making sure that our partners and clients had the ability uh, to reach us and to make sure that we were listening to what they needed to have done. So, I mean, I think at the core of what we do, it's making sure we listen to the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, no. But I guess, I guess where I'm pushing this question is, on the card side of the business, uh, you know, we, we sort of have an idea of where that's going and, and, and COVID has kind of kicked it downhill that way a bit, but we, but we sort of know, you know, the big trends there, you know, we, we could kind of see 
moving to contactless, the X pays, tokenization, all this kind of thing. But on the payments business side of things, I think it's it's a little less clear where the economy might take us, right? Because there are new kinds of business in that economy that we didn't have before. And I, 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 I'm thinking about the obvious ones that you think about, like, you know, the gig workers and stuff like that, uh, you know, the new kinds of SMEs. and this, so, so there's new kinds of businesses there that we, the industry, you know, have to respond to with new sorts of products. So that, that seems in, in some ways kind of more uncertain to me about how that's evolving. Is, is that a fair observation? Yeah, I think still a little early. Uh, you know, I think the whole point of self-financing, the kind of buy now, pay later, make installment payments, um, it's definitely seeing um, a higher takeoff rate, uh, but it is not mainstream yet. But we are seeing it proliferate itself more consistently. I think that there's definitely an opportunity there. I think there's a, a lot of people, especially with larger purchases, who are looking to just make you know two, three, or four payments uh, in order to facilitate that purchase. And so making sure that that's available for consumers is, is a really important aspect of the business. So if we if we imagine that the that kind of payments business develops in some new ways and moves into, I guess, what a lot of people call the embedded finance kind of business where where essentially you know dfs you know your your infrastructure becomes the infrastructure for lots of things you know not not just the card payments and, and things like that in in that yeah, correct kind of, that, that's the way i kind of imagine it so um but in that kind of world competition and again i'm not i'm not trying to push you in any particular but but in that kind of world competition shifts from some of the traditional competition which was basically about transaction fees and interchange and things like that and now we find ourselves in a new competitive world which is a world basically of data and value added and learning and intelligence and things like that so can you just i mean again without giving away any secrets about what you guys are working on you know, how, how do you feel about competition in, in that in that embedded space? Well, I think, you know, I we always welcome competition. It means you've got a healthy marketplace uh, out there and available. And you want to make sure people have choice, right, in, in regards to what they're able to do, even in regards to, to payments, um, whether it's debit, credit, you know, pay ahead, pay after, paying multiple installments, it doesn't matter. You want to make sure that you have all those options available. From a, a, the payments business, making sure we have that functionality uh, built into our structure is very important because obviously we've got many other businesses that are relying on those service infrastructures. So it's not just necessarily the component of what we know kind of within our own enterprise, right, with our card business and our, our payments business, but it's making sure our payments business um, has competitive offerings available in regards to different facilities like being able to manage QR codes, right? And transacting those across the network, uh, making sure that we've got a facility um, or doing business with companies. You know, we hear a lot of conversation around companies like Klarna, um, Sezzle, Afterpay, uh, or a few just to name that I could name. Um, you wanna make sure that those things are available for the different partners that we have on the network. So that if they want to actually facilitate that out to their consumer population they can okay, let, let, let me ask you the question in a, in a in a not 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 aggressive that's the wrong word let, let me ask you a tougher question about that amy um 
So in that kind of embedded world, so so you you sit on top of a great brand and you've spent years investing in this brand and making it stand for things and and we all understand why and we all understand why that's worked. But in that kind of embedded space, there's a different kind of competition, right? Because if I'm the consumer, I I, I use my Walmart app and pretty soon I'll forget what it is that's connected to you. I don't really care, right? I press I press a button on my Walmart app and the money comes out of my account or, or you know, it comes out of some loan account somewhere. Um, and, you know, the brands that, that we're sort of used to, um, they're not quite, it's not quite the same as when you take out your Discover card and you pay at the point and there it is right in front of you. Or when you check Discover on a menu, when you go to check out a website. So, so competition is going to be just different in that space, isn't it? It, it will definitely, you know, I, I the, one of the things that we always try to go back to is keeping our products simple for our consumers. If you're thinking about the card business. Um, and when you think about the application of buy now, pay later, it, it can apply in many other different venues, which may or may not apply to our consumers and how they think about simple products and value. Um, so we'll have to see right kind of where the world starts to drive and take those different avenues. Um, but I think we, we continue to make sure that we're really listening to our, our consumers just as a whole. And as items like that pop up, that it looks like there's an opportunity, it's obviously something we, we look to explore. So, so where we are now then is that uh, I think we understand the dynamics around the pandemic. And I think we understand the, we don't know what the answers are, but we understand at least, you know, some of the outlines of what's forming on the payment side. Or well, at least I say, I say we understand that, but, but in reality, you know, what, what are actually your, what are your priorities at work right now? I mean, we're talking a bit abstractly, but I mean, you actually have a business to run. What are your actual priorities right now? Well, contactless is a number one, right? right. So as, as it has shown up, and we, we can talk about it as much as we want as, you know, it's moving. Moving means there's lots of companies having to actually install, build, install, and implement contactless. Um, we've seen a significant number of merchants actually change in that dimension. And obviously, all the channel partners have to make sure that they've got those services available. So making sure that our, our client services group is available to help facilitate all those implementations, the testing, the certification, all of that work that goes along with it, um, it is really probably one of our biggest focuses at, at this point in time. I think the second is really making sure that we're carrying feeding for the migration to digital. Um, so SRC actually launched in the US last October. Um, and so we are seeing, again, that component of that, that single click to pay solution um, starting to show up as, as an option much more frequently than we have in the past. And as we move more into these digital channels, or as the world moves right more into the digital channels, making sure that the digital structure uh, has a lot of safety, security, and ultimately ease of use, which is the most important. I think, um, you know, none of us like standing in line. Uh, and we have zero toleration for it when you're actually online, right? You don't want to wait for anything. And so making sure that we've got a really uh, simple, easy way for people to pay that's secure uh, is critical. So I think migration on digital 
uh, NSRC has been very much a component that, that we're spending a lot of focus on. Uh, I mentioned previously our network alliances. So we continue to see substantial growth uh, in different countries, uh, really bringing their own you know, brands to life and making sure maybe not in the pandemic world, right? Moving between countries isn't exactly what they need, but eventually, right? We're all gonna get back out and start traveling and doing other things again, uh, making sure that we've got the mechanism to put all those network alliances together. So we've, um, we've actually achieved a milestone. We have over 20 uh, network partners now on our network. And then I think debit has been the other aspect of the business. Um, anytime consumers start feeling a little worried about their finances, they do have a tendency um, to really start taking a look at the, wh what they spend or where they spend on. Uh, and debit obviously picks up. Uh, there's something, uh, it's, it's close to 50% uh, of consumers actually prefer right, to put their-, their oh, I think, I think the those, those preferences are clear, right? I mean, that's- yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I just want to ask you a couple more things about before before we talk about the futuristic stuff. So, there's a couple of things that sort of internal and external. So, that contact. I mean, I continue to be fascinated by contactless, obviously, because I come from the tech side of things. I saw uh, is Rebecca Speck give a presentation at the Women in Payments Symposium a couple of weeks ago. A very good presentation, by the way, about yeah. some of the stuff that you guys were doing in contactless. And she said that wearables will be the next the next revolution. You know, the the idea that you can pay with anything, not not just phones or cards anymore. And so it seems to me that the 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 implications of the contactless revolution haven't really been played out yet. Because I mean, all we've done with contactless so far is basically put it in the cards we already have. Mm -hmm. So there's, so there's still way more to come on just on contactless, isn't there? No, um, much. I mean, I think that there's a, a couple different components. Um, I mean, you know better than anybody, the, the technology that we're sitting on when we talk about contactless can do many, many more things than just a payment. Um, yeah. And it has the ability to also be very secure uh, in how it operates as well. And so I think um, there's a lot of untapped business opportunities just in, in regards to the other things that the contactless specifications have available to them uh really the emv spec i guess is what yeah I'm no i mean about. you're right i mean we we haven't even really touched on the sort of stuff that the tokenization infrastructure can do and actually right. it has a lot of spare capacity as well so a lot um yeah. so, so there's, one there's more a lot of untapped opportunity there yeah um and again i think this is where we've got people sitting around already working on some stuff we just we can't see it yet right it just hasn't shown up so if we look, oh, sorry, one more virus quit. I know you're tired of me, but I, you know, because it's so disruptive in our industry, and I, I'm just very interested by what difference, you know, because if we'd have been sitting around in strategy workshops a year ago, this wouldn't even have been on the chart, you know. So, but you you just mentioned in passing about making sure that you could carry on delivering service to customers. What one observation I can't resist making about it is. I think certainly amongst our clients, there was this thing like, oh my God, you know, we have to figure out how to get people working at home. This is payments. We have to have secure infrastructure. We've got to get the VPNs, blah, blah, blah. And there was a thing like, we're going to send everybody home and here's the, here's the 30 day plan and the six. And you know what? We sent everybody home and Monday morning, everything was fine. I mean, it really is 
very interesting and in some ways surprising. But I, I yeah, wonder I think, if your um, experience I, is the same as other people's. It wasn't actually that hard to to make this change, right? Yeah. Uh, so I will I will say I you know this is where working for Discover I was you know very happy to be part of the the change that had to take place. Um, we made a decision very early uh, in the cycle that we had to actually create a mechanism to get everybody work from home. Um, and you do have to remember a very large portion of our employee population is actually our customer care center. Um, so we've got about 8,000 people that answer phones for customers. Um, and we feel uh, that it's incredibly important that when they call, we answer the phone right away. Not in an hour, not in three hours, not in five, which is what we saw happen with a lot of other companies. Well, my so bank, for example. Yeah. Yeah, so, just to give, just to give you one random example, Amy. <laughs> so I think um, we had already um, had the technology in place, right, to actually facilitate this movement. The hardest part was just getting equipment into people's hands and getting it to their home offices. So I think you know, this is where our employees just rallied together. We had, you know, packing facilities at our call centers where they were packing up equipment, people were driving up and we were loading it into the trunks of the cars. And so just to see uh, that community of the company come together to really just do everything we could. Uh, it took us two weeks to get the entire corporation working from home. And to your point, uh, it was seamless to our customers that's, and to all our, our partners. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think actually that's very impressive. I think in many ways, I think some organizations, the, the ability to do that, I think was impressive, you know, and, and we just sort of took it for granted that, oh, well, everybody's going to go work at home and right. they are. You know? Yeah, we still have companies suffering out there. I'm sure you've experienced it. I know I've, you know, made a few phone calls or looked for things and uh, it's not as, as easy and there's a lot of hold times out there still. So I do think that there's some companies still trying to figure out how to make some of this happen the right way. Um, hopefully they'll get there. I, I actually am quite surprised kind of going back to our contactless conversation. You know, we still have about 30%, right, of the um, activity, the, the volume that's happening still happening uh, outside contactless. Um, so there's a lot of merchants that still don't have that available yet. It, 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 you might not be aware, but in, in the UK, so Valentine's Day, which was Sunday, in the UK, that's the anniversary of Chip and Pin, because, you know, the UK went over to Chip and Pin on Valentine's Day 15 years ago. And I, I wrote a piece for our blog saying it's kind of interesting to me. To, I was so excited when we went over to Chip and Pin. I don't even know where my Chip and Pin card is. I can't even tell you the last time I used my pin, because the last hundred times I've been around to the store, I, I use my phone. I have a contactless card in my in my wallet, and I might occasionally want to use a, a for some work expenses. I might use to want want a contactless card, but basically almost everything I just use my phone. And mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I'm in the same place. I, it's you know, so I think, funny that we're talking about chip and pin all the time, but none of us ever use it. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, yeah, tucked in a little wallet that's attached to the back of my phone, but it's not actually in use anymore. <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, viruses and things that we understand like contactless to one side. Um, what I wanted to do, obviously, was ask you a little bit about where you think things are going, because for the for the big players in this space, there's no doubt that competition is a little 
different from what it used to be. And what I mean by that, Amy, is a few years ago, if I, I mean, I won't use Discover as the example because that would be, but you know, I could, I could have gone and sat down with the people, let's say at Barclay Card, and they could have told you all of their competitors, the market shares, they could tell you uh, <clears throat> this is uh, how much we need to spend if we want to raise spend in that market. By the, I mean, you guys all knew this stuff inside out. You knew exactly what to spend on radio and TV. You knew exactly what would have to go on in. You know what I mean? It was very scientific. Everybody understood the competition because we were competing with people that were like us. But when you're looking forward and you've touched on it with, with what you said about the buy now, pay later thing, you know, now we're looking to compete with people who are not like us. We're, we, we've got to learn how to compete with people that have the customer interfaces, you know, the Amazons and, and Facebooks and Googles. We have to compete with startups that are coming in on the open banking side and getting hold of the data and doing clever things with the data. Like it isn't just the sort of technology that's changing when we look. For, I know that's the stuff I bore you most about, but but it isn't just the technology that's changing because actually the business models are changing, aren't they? And I, I, just, I just wonder what kind of keeps you awake at night about that sort of thing. Like, you, yeah, the competition keeps you on, the on your toes, but yeah, but it must scare us a little bit here and there as well. So, so yeah, where do you think the threats are coming from? Where do we think the threats are coming from? Uh, definitely from fintech um, and smaller organizations. You know, these are the companies that actually are uh, generally, I'm, I'm very much generalizing here, right? There's a group of people who watch right from the outside uh, and they can see gaps and they can see uh, services that are really needed. And, and sometimes it actually happens because they personally are trying to solve a problem they've encountered, right? That's you hear that a lot from entrepreneurs where they say, well, I was trying to do this and couldn't find anybody that did it. So I just went and did it, right? And the next thing you know, they've got this amazing business. So we've got a lot, you know, people, um, one of the things that you had asked before is what attracted me to this industry. I mean, one is we move money. People will always need to move money, right? <laughs> so that is actually a very attractive feature. Now, with that being said, we touch everybody's lives in some way, shape or form, right? And so at the end of the day, you have people all over the place who are experiencing payments. And you can think of that in many, many different ways, right? Um, and so as they're experiencing this, they find opportunities. And buy now, pay later is one of those, right? Somebody said, hey, what if it just right at the time I'm purchasing, I get an option to make payments or to get an instant credit line? You know, those things were unheard of a handful of years, years ago. <clears throat> and now... We consider them more commonplace. Um, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, the soft, you know, software-based point of sale. Um, very much was one of those things like, oh, well, your phone can be point of sale. No, your phones are point of sale now. Again, it's something that's just become fairly commonplace. Um, you know, I personally go to places like farmer's markets to get fresh vegetables and stuff. Um, that You see that stuff very much alive and well in those places. Um, taxis obviously used to be an opportunity for that as well, where it's just completely um, shown up and really is everywhere now. It's, it's, it's <clears> so a of my fun. I always enjoyed presenting at conferences in America and making fun of, of the taxes, whatever, <laughs> making you sign for things and uh, yeah. all that fun. I always stuff. love when they pull the knuckle buster out from yeah, like yeah. underneath 
passenger seat. I'm like, where did you find that thing? <laughs> but then, so there's there's that there's that kind of competition, and and I you know uh, you know clearly you guys spend time thinking about that. But but I, when I first asked the question, you first came back with the fintech. Uh, is that's the kind of Jamie Dimon answer? I mean, it's like you know that's the stuff that's scary. Is is the guys in it, it's the guys in their garage that are doing something we never thought of. So if, if it's not a if it's not an inappropriate question, you know wh what is it that you guys are doing to to get into that innovation space? I mean, you must have in place some kinds of programs. Or, I mean, wh what are you doing? To make sure that you're connected to that space. Yeah, there's a there's a couple things, right? You've got to make sure that you you're connecting with people. So, and again, right now we're doing that more virtually, but staying connected with different different companies, new things that are showing up, talking to people, hearing what they're interested in doing, what they're trying, what problems they're trying to solve, seeing if we can get people connected with who's got the problem. Um, I think that's probably one of the most basic. The second piece is really making sure we're, we're putting investments into some of those newer things. Um, you know, I referenced our ability to move our employee base to work from home was very simple for us, was well, because we already had, you know, over 20% of our base working from home. So we had technology already in our shop available and operating. And so when you think about some of these new things that can be threats, you do have to stay pretty close and tuned in and, and testing and piloting things. You know, people like to, to talk about Bitcoin and it's great or it's not great or it's scary or it's not scary. You can talk about it in whatever realm we want. At the end of the day, it's sitting on technology that's, that might be very important for the future in some dimension we can't understand that may not have anything to do with Bitcoin um, because it can facilitate uh, transactional activity in ways that tech, uh, in the digital space that you don't have the ability to do otherwise. And so Absolutely. making sure that we have pilots like that operating and putting investments into companies who are doing some of this is, is very, very important. So we do spend a portion of our time on that aspect of it. So uh, on that innovation side of things, I, I guess when we've been talking to our clients recently, so, so there's kind of two distinct categories of innovation that, that they're they're talking about or getting involved in. So one is what what you and I would regard as like the straight payments innovation. You know, what are we going to do about uh, buy now pay later? What are we going to do about decoupled debit? What are we going to do about blah blah blah? But then there's what you might call the adjacencies, right? What are we going to do about digital identity? What are we going to do about going to check-in instead of check-out? What are we doing about data-driven liquidity? What are we going to do about government program? Well, not so much in America, but in other, in other places. So I, I guess it, to me, those are two quite distinct categories. Now, I, I'm just curious, does, you know, does Discover approach those adjacencies as well as the core payment stuff? And, and, and again, without giving away secrets, if you glance in that direction, you know, what do you see that's important in that space that's not just fluff? Uh, well, there's probably three, and one of them that some people will probably say is fluff, but, um, you know, one's around uh, just risk mitigation, fraud management. Um, the aspect of uh, moving, you know, real-time or instant payments, right? We're moving money in, you know, sub-split seconds. you got to make sure that there is a high degree of confidence and security attached to that. 
it's, um, and then you made the point earlier about the the virus driving people online who hadn't been online before and those people mm -hmm. are much more susceptible to fraud right so at an industry level we have to do something to help those people well they they're they're, they're putting trust in the system and trust in us yeah. as organizations and so making sure that we keep you know privacy has to be top of mind yeah, yeah. Um, keeping things secure making sure we're managing against the the bad fraudulent stuff that could happen um, is really really important so those are I, I would classify them as adjacencies because we have a tendency to run payments on one side write fraud on the other they absolutely right work uh, in conjunction together those things come together at some point in time in our transaction sets Identity is definitely one of those. Um, because again, when you start thinking about making sure that that transaction's okay, it's also making sure that where it's coming from is okay, who's doing it is okay, who's part of it is okay. And all that has a lot to do with identification, uh, whether it's of a consumer or a business, right? Or somebody in between. So I, I think that's, that's an aspect. So that would probably be my second one. Um, third one, I would say, has to do with augmented reality. It's been just a personal interest of mine, just watching the technology. I think there's two fronts um, that I see it potentially showing up. One is in uh, the world we're operating in right now. So we took, you know, again, if you think about, um, we took having conferences or meetings and we just moved them to a digital medium. But it's a flat, it's flat right? It, it's a screen that's sitting in front of me and you, and here we are talking, right, with the flat medium. Um, augmented reality has the ability to actually make it a dimensional of reality that's very, very different than what we're experiencing now. Um, and, it, and it takes both digital and reality together, right, that kind of mixed reality structure. So I think the corporate world uh, and how we engage, right, people aren't going back to the offices full time, uh, we've learned we can actually be very, very flexible where we work. So having a hybrid work environment, there's going to be new technology that shows up that allows us to do that better. Um, and then I also too think on spending, um, you know, as much as you can buy things online, you, you know, it's hard to actually, you know, see what, you know, that jacket that I might want to buy, does that look good on me, right? And how do I do that? Uh, it's components of shopping, um, and being able to experience products differently in a digital environment that I think augmented reality has the ability to help close. I remember seeing some demos of that stuff a few years ago and then it kind of disappeared. I, I, I guess there just wasn't the drive. And now because of the virus, there's the drive to bring that technology back, right? Or, or at least I, I think, I think that's what we're gonna see happen, right? It kind of, um, it was starting to show up. We were starting to see applications of it appear um, obviously, um, the pandemic last year pulled everybody back, you know, back to the basics is what I call it, right? We saw people go back to, you know, baking bread and, you know, hanging out at their homes. But we also saw businesses had to go back to the very basics of what they do in order to make sure everything was operating smoothly and, and efficiently. Um, but I think we're coming to a point now where if you think about kind of the next step of revolution or disruption, which is really, I think, will be coming over the next few years, that stuff is being thought of now and really being tested now, right? And quiet labs and, and you know, components of different corporations out there. So that's the stuff that I think we're gonna start to see show up um, in a louder voice, I'll call it, right? As we move into the next year or two. 
It's fantastic. Well, look, Amy, you know, thank you very much for being so, so open. And, and I, you know, I, I'm just so interested in your opinions about these kind of things because you, because of your perspective. Uh, and, I, and I really appreciate you being straight with us about, about all of that. It's just such an interesting topic. Thank you yeah, very well, much really, for giving up the time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure talking with you, Dave. I uh, look forward to the moment when we're going to be able to, over a cup of coffee at a cafe table, just, to have the same types of conversations. Just like but, the old days. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, really look forward to seeing you again soon. Stay safe. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure.